Pastor Xavier Reese warns the cost of worldly riches too often adds up to spiritual bankruptcy. The rich man is the true poor man if he's not saved. Even when he is on earth, he's a poor man towards God. The worst kind of poverty. You know how much Howard Hughes left? Everything. You know how much the street person that died last night? Everything. He took nothing with him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In the spring, the grass begins to grow, and in the summer, it comes to maturity. But in the fall, it dies. Grass does not last, and neither does the wealth of this world. If you have money, it will eventually be lost or stolen or spent, because you can't possibly take it with you. If you measure your wealth in otherworldly ways, it will be equally fleeting. If you actually win the rat race, you find that you are still a rat. And that's pretty much the exhortation of James concerning the pursuits of both the rich and poor in chapter 1 of his epistle. Pastor Xavier draws today's simple truths regarding aligning our priorities for those things that really count in life from verses 10 and 11 today. Let's listen. The message is entitled, Insight for the Poor Through Trials. James continues his theme of faith being tested with the attitude of joy through the process of patient growth, development, and maturity while seeking God for wisdom continually. Now James turns to exhort the poor in the testing of their faith contrary to the rich, marked by the following. First, you have the proclamation of contrast of the poor and rich. In verse 9 and 10. Secondly, you have the illustration of constant death of the rich in 11. And the final one is just one little sentence, the application of common death of the rich at the end of verse 11. Let's begin here with the proclamation of conduct of the poor and the rich. Notice in verse 9, James made his transition from the contrast of the stable person, confidently depending and trusting God with the double-minded person, to a contrast of economics now. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. Now, the word lowly means um, not rising far from the ground. It's used of one in grief, cast down or depressed. It's used of one who is humble. It is used for the Christian here who is in poverty. That's another way it's used. Financially poor. They don't have all the means for life. Or they don't have abundance of things. But they make their way through life. Notice the instruction to the financially poor brother is to rejoice. The fact that they were sons and daughters of God. The fact that they were in fellowship with the creator and savior of the world. While everybody else is groping around trying to find out through all these other gods, so-called. The fact that they were spiritually wealthy despite the sharp contrast of their physical property. Waiting patiently for their rich inheritance in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom is present and yet to come. 
There are many promises that we hang on by faith that will be fulfilled in the future. Now look at verse 10. James um, affirmed his transition to be a contrast. But the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. He is temporal. As the poor Christian, not eternal. He's temporal. Because when the Christian dies, he has eternal life with Jesus. Now eternal life does not just mean you live forever. Eternal life means that you have a quality of life, that you live a God-like life, and as you pass this life, then you move on to live that life continually with Jesus Christ, who is God. If you're a non-believer, you will also live eternally, but eternally separated from God. So there's a big difference, okay? The Christian is spiritually wealthy in Christ, making him truly rich on so many levels. The believer knows the answer to the age-old question, how did man get here? Why are we here? So he doesn't have to waste his life seeking out all the lies to see which one he's going to believe. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, as they're worshiping before heaven and the altar, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. For the believer... It's a done deal. It's a no-brainer. You have the answer to what some people search for all their life and die not finding it. And so they make many mistakes in life. They waste their life putting their energies and their money in the wrong things rather than the right things. A believer can depend on God for his needs, living in contentment, not in envy or covetousness. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This doesn't exclude your hard work. This doesn't exclude your preparing for life, whether it be in a, some trade or education. You have to seek God and prepare yourself. But God is going to direct and guide you, give you the wisdom and open those doors. Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessings of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The rich person who is not a Christian is just living to amass more wealth and do good works, and then one day die. Proverbs 22 says, The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Notice secondly, verse 11. The illustration of the constant death of the rich here. James again took his teaching lesson from nature. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. He carries over the simile, the rich man as a flower of the field, and uses it as an illustration now for the process of the rich man's temporalness. He carries over the key words, flower of the field or grass, and repeats it now in a little different form to advance his teaching on the rich man to tie them both together. Notice he uses a universal and timeless illustration. The tense of the word, really the words, all four of them, are timeless 
indicative aorist active. They call it anomic, emphasizing the suddenness and the completeness of the withering. The word risen, the word withers, the word falls, and the word perishes. All are the indicative errors active in this timeless tense. Therefore, they are translated into the English only in the timeless present. The sun always rises, the grass always withers, the flower always falls, and their beauty of appearance always perishes. That's what it is. The sun comes up one day, radiating a scorching heat, and it burns up the flower of the grass, literally. The phrase burning heat has been identified by some to be the what they call Sirocco wind that blows from the east and south and blows a hot desert regions through there of the land of Israel. And it's just real hot. It scorches everything. Others identify it simply as the burning heat of the sun. The term is used that way by Jesus in Matthew 20, 12 and Luke 12, 55. Whichever you want to pick, it doesn't matter. The focus is that the flower dies. Okay? It's a hot wind, whether it's a Sirocco or just the sun itself. Different people believe different things on there. Now, the sun equally affects the flower. Notice. It falls, fails, and comes to an end. Now, the same two Greek words are used in verse 10 and 11. Flower in both verses, field and grass of the same word but different forms. The clear lesson is every rich man has a lifespan, a set amount of years. Now, the poor Christian does too, but that's not the point of his lesson and exhortation. You see? It's a given. The beauty of appearance is for a time. All is in the process of decay. The word beauty means shapeliness, attractiveness, appealing to the sight. This is the only time it's found in the New Testament here. And the word appearance means the front of the human head, literally the face. It appears again in chapter 1, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face. There it is in the mirror. The ultimate end is that the grass and flower or the flower of the grass perishes. It means to be put out of the way entirely, ruined, abolished, rendered useless. Some shorter than others, other longer than others. As the flower, so the unbelieving rich man perishes under the judgment of God. It's real simple. Jesus spoke a parable in Luke 12, 16 through 21, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many 
years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Here's the application by our Lord and Master. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. He's not saying that there's anything wrong with saving and being a steward. He says, if you do it apart from God, you're in poverty. You're not rich towards God. He's talking about a person who's putting all of his stock on the material stuff. It doesn't mean that you can't have money, though we will look and see that money does bring problems, okay? Both to the non-believer as well as the believer. Now, this parable was in response to the one who asked Jesus to tell his brother to divide their inheritance for him, to be an arbitrator. And Jesus says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses, in verse 15 of Luke 12. That's why he spoke this parable. All of his wealth cannot buy his way into heaven. The rich man is the true poor man if he's not saved. Even when he is on earth, he's a poor man towards God. The worst kind of poverty. Even though he has much wealth, all is left behind on earth. You know how much Howard Hughes left? Everything. You know how much the street person that died last night on the street? Everything. They took nothing with them. The poor Christian, in comprehending this truth, understands the true riches in life. Seeing himself wealthy before God, able to count it all joy when he falls into various trials. Verse 2, that's what it's pointing back to. Knowing that the testing of his faith produces patience. Verse 3. Allowing patience to have its perfect work in order to be complete and lacking nothing. Verse 4. Inside perspective. Then notice James is exhorting the poor believer to take note of the wasted life in vain pursuit. Listen carefully. Will fade away in his pursuits. The rich man dies as he is engaged in his everyday endeavors of business. His life comes to an end. The word fade away means to consume away, extinguish the flame or the light. His money investments have come to a close. The word pursuits means undertaking or daily trust and dependence on his wealth. It's found only this time. Another time, which is the second time, is in Luke 13, 22, regarding the journey to Jerusalem. Literally means a journey, a way, a path. This context is, his path is wealth, money, business. This indicates the passion pursuit of the unbeliever opposed to God and the kingdom in contrast to the poor person who's a Christian economically but rich in God. James substitutes the last portion notice of Isaiah for the rich. Listen to the complete passage of Isaiah that he's alluding to. I'm going to read it completely. Listen. 
This is Isaiah 40, verse 6 through 8. He says, The voice said, Cry out. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. He substitutes, he says, the sun, the hot wind. And he says, Surely the peoples are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. Here's the kicker. Listen. But the word of our God stands forever. He doesn't quote that. But the word of our God stands forever is substituted for the last portion. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. The one not believing that the word of God stands forever dies forever. The one believing the word of God stands forever. And that it stands forever, he lives forever. It's simple. In Luke 16, 19 through 25, Jesus gave an account, not a parable, about a poor man and rich man, an account. Many people make it a parable of the rich man and Lazarus, the poor man, the beggar. It is not a parable. Jesus never used personal names in parables. That's one key thing, okay? And it isn't a parable. It's a true account. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked the sores. Pitiful situation. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torments in Hades... He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Look at how many personal persons and names he's put in here and the details. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip at the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in these flames. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you receive your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now... He is comforted, and you are tormented. Now, unless you're willing to accuse Jesus of exaggeration or lying, you have to accept his testimony. Death came to him suddenly and unexpectedly as he lived to pursue his riches, not God. Listen to the words of Solomon regarding the rich man and his wealth. Ecclesiastes 2.21. For there is a man whose labors is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. Yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labor for it. This also is vanity and great evil. <laughs> All my stuff I got to leave to some idiot not going to appreciate it. Ecclesiastes 4.8. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother. Yet there is no end to all his labors. He's always working. Nor is his eyes satisfied with riches. He needs more. But he never asks, For whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and grave misfortune. He works, 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 and never rests, never enjoys himself. Matthew 19, 16 to 26, A certain young ruler asked Jesus, 
what he had to do to gain eternal life. You know the story. And he declared he had kept all the commandments. And he said, what else do I lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. And come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Jesus is not saying that there will be no rich men in heaven or that rich men can't be saved. He's saying that it's very difficult because they live for their money. If they trust God, it's possible. If they don't trust God, it's impossible. That's what he's saying. The rich man dying without Christ is lost for eternity like any other unbeliever. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. The books were open, another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and, the, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And any were not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 21 8 says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars shall all have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. James cautions the Christian rich man. Listen to James 4 13 through 16. Come now, you who say, today and tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend the year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, that's a Christian rich man. We shall live and do this and that, but now... You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. These are carnal Christians acting like non-believers. It's real simple. The application of common death of the rich is eternal punishment, night and day. James has exhorted the poor believer in the testing of their faith contrary to the rich. Revealed by the proclamation of contrast of the poor and rich as clear as night and day. The illustration of constant death of the rich happens every night and day. And the application of common death of the rich is eternal punishment night and day. These are not things that we relish in. We don't get joy over saying this. We, we don't do this to put fear in people we, we say this because they're truths and we are warning people who don't know Christ that they might be saved this is James he reminds the believer of his wealth in Christ 
Pastor Xavier Reese with a message of how God sent His Son to die for those who were spiritually bankrupt so that they could inherit all of the blessings of heaven in Him. Now, you may be interested to know this message titled Insight for the Poor Through Trials is available on CD upon request for just $4. Having your own copy allows you to review the study all over again and at your own pace or perhaps pass on to someone else you know. So once again, the title to ask for is Insight for the Poor Through Trials. Or you may simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure you tell us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. We use this information to help us measure the efficiency of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com